Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast, of which we are the worst. I'm Alec. I'm Eddie. And today we're going to be talking about diluting the cross. Hey. Hey, it's been it's been a minute. Welcome back. It's been by a minute, it's been a week. Do you have a you know how long it's been, right? We're my watch two broke. weeks. I guess my at this F91W point. actually it did me like six years of service. Wait, it actually broke. Depends how you define broke. No longer tells time. I mean, it tells. Does it have to tell the right time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said the time. It has to tell. I didn't say the time. It has to tell the time. <laughs> Objective. Capital T time. Do you think we should go on a twenty-four hour clock where the whole world is on twenty-four hours? So it's like oh. we work from. 3 a.m. Yeah. to whenever, but it's still like the same hours of the day. I'm fine with that if Pacific Standard Time stays the same <laughs> and everyone else functions around that. Good. Yeah, I would agree with that. That seems right. That um, seems fair. I actually, I spent probably more time thinking about that than I should have. Like, I remember it was like a 30 minute drive and I was just thinking about it. And I think my conclusion was no, I don't yeah. think we should do it. Probably not. I mean, we would not be able to say like high noon anymore. Yeah, and I say that all the time. Yeah, you called me today. <laughs> At high noon. <laughs> but wait, your, your watch broke? That's a really big deal. Are you going to cry? That, that No, don't worry. I got that, all my tears out. That was, I'm not going to cry about it. I did that on the car ride over. <laughs> uh, I don't... That was on your like top think, favorite. That was on... Remember that? Going back to the brackets thing, for those of you guys who are avid listeners. Well, like, it's on my biography is one of my favorite things Oh, that's well. right. It is on the, the yeah. Sinner's Take biography. I mean, for what it's worth, two of them have served me like a decade... But I think it was like one of the buttons got stuck. So the light died because the light button was stuck on. I don't remember because I haven't been really wearing call it for like that a, a light. month. It's like a side. It's like if they put a firefly in a warehouse <laughs> and a clock was in the middle. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? It broke? Yeah. It's a big deal, man. Big I deal know. alert. It's, it's not like broken. I could still wear it. If I didn't, you know, if I couldn't just splash the cash for 11 more bucks for another one. <laughs> but it was its time. It's done its service for me. You've been really into budgeting, so I, I don't know if you can squeeze in the $11 for the... Oh, I didn't eat today at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dang. So what, what, what was the Casio? What, what's the numbers? F91W, please So don't is forget. this going to be the Casio F92W? No, F92 it will not. It will be the F91W.3. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So anyway, we have not recorded in it a little bit. Um, and you probably wish we didn't record that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've been busy a little bit. And dang, that sounds like I, I already hate it. I Dude, we're just it. really busy. Like, yeah. we just got, I just got like a lot going on that I want to share with you. That's just like sharing you from, about my life because we got so much going on right now. No, I, it's my sister was visiting and slash it was her wedding anniversary. And your birthday. Slash my birthday, which is on the same day. Shout out to my sister for getting married on my birthday. <laughs> I love it because my girlfriend texted Eddie on his birthday and said, hey, tell your sister I said happy anniversary. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I, I actually was thinking about it. I was like, it's never not going to be the case. Yeah. Like, that's just going to be forever. Yeah. So anyway, so there was that. And then we, I got when and then we went on retreat um, for school. Yeah. And I had uh, the LSAT to I'm applying to law school. So 
that was taking up some of my time studying and slash taking the test. And that's our excuse. You can decide if it's good enough, but you're not getting an episode either way. <laughs> the time has passed. So, yeah. Anyway, what we're talking about today is, like I have to say every single time, is a topic that's very close to my heart. <laughs> we only talk about things close to his heart. Uh, there are a lot of them. He has an elephant heart, so a lot of things can be close to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It. It. Them. I have multiple elephant multiple hearts. Multiple elephant hearts. Oh. <laughs> No, so talking about like diluting the cross and I guess important to just ground ourselves in what what we're saying that that means. I do think that people, I guess you could say, are desensitized to or don't value or by the way that they approach virtue and the holy life in the nature of sin, dilute as in make less potent or less valuable the cross as in the passion and death of Jesus Christ. Thesis statement. Yes, this is something that is interesting for me, again, coming back to the faith, like we keep talking about, because it's part of the difficulty for me with returning to the faith was I am so on board with so many things. But if I have a hang up, right, if there's a, I was going to say a thesis, like uh, Martin Luther had, (laughs) uh, but if I have an issue, if I'm not in full communion actively with the church should i not then return is it unfair of me to like come back and commit to it if i'm still struggling with this one thing now struggling with it can be a couple different things like struggling with a recurring sin or struggling with the uh, agreeing with the ideology are different things but this was it for me but i appreciated that you and those around me weren't saying it's fine like you don't you're getting most of it right you're getting that one thing wrong it's good enough because that's not what we're called to be. Yeah. I actually just talked with a student on retreat because he was struggling with this concept. The, the guy's going through like a spiritual awakening. I have the utmost respect for him and love him a lot. He was just talking about like how he is afraid of like being a hypocrite more or less. Right. He said, and he says like, what if I know that I can't do all these things? And he said, does that make me a bad Catholic? Right. Or a bad Christian. And I, it was well, you know, we told him that me and a, a couple of me and Corey were talking to him at the time. Actually, we were just saying like, no, like you're never God never expects us to be successful in everything, right? But He does call us to be faithful in all things. He calls us, and if you if you like go into it saying I know I'm going to I, like I can't do this and I'm not even going to try, then yes, that makes you a bad Christian and a bit of a hypocrite. But to go into it saying like I'm probably going to fail, but I'm going to resolve to make it better especially when someone's just coming into the faith and none of their life has been been given virtue like you're not just going to be able to fix everything in one go and if you try to you're going to burn out and probably revert is that yeah revert back into it so i think that that's very important i you know just to tell and we we affirmed him in that and that like honestly to put it bluntly i think that that's pride right is we want to say like well i can do this like i can get rid of everything out of my life this is a little bit derivative of, but I think it's going to tie in nicely, but I genuinely believe, and this is something that, let me tell you something. This is something that I believe. This is something I've always believed. No, I, I think that you ever find yourself in a place in your life where you're not at peace with something. I think you have pride somewhere in your heart that you haven't identified or have identified, but can't get over. Think about any context of something that you're not at peace with. You know, I am not at peace with my playing position in soccer, right? Because I feel like I should be playing more. So either A, there's only two options, right? Either the person 
who is playing instead of you is better than you, or I guess three options is better than you, works harder than you, or the coach doesn't like, like is being malicious. Right. And I think that if you are not at peace with that, I think that there is always an action that can come with that, that you can make either one, you need to work harder or two, you need to like suck up your pride and work harder or suck up your pride and understand that somebody might just be better than you or swallow your pride and like have a conversation with the coach anything that you have in your life. And this is, this is no different, right? If you are in the place where you say in this case, where you think I don't want to be Christian, if I can't do everything perfectly is completely an anti-Christian thought, right? It's the idea that God specifically like acknowledges that we are going to fail to understand that like we are weak. And I think this is what Paul is talking about when he says the most bizarre line where he says like, I boast in my weakness. I the like the things that are the weakest in me, I, take the most pride in that's a crazy and ridiculous thought but you know he goes on to talk about how because those are the areas that he knows that god god's grace works the best and i think that that's true humility in these ways so whereas pride tries us tries to make us perfect when we can't be humility accepts that we are not perfect and that helps us be better i want i want to have a little bit of a back door there too with that like i understand that the reasons why people are not at peace there's a lot of factors and a lot of it is out of your control and things like that but you know just taking from the lights of lives of the saints some of them had very miserable lives but were at peace with it because they accepted it as an opportunity for growth an opportunity for humility and at peace doesn't mean that you're just giving up and accepting hey this is where i am you can still try to be better, try to get more, try to improve whatever in whatever way it is. In your example of someone playing ahead of you, they might be a better player than you. You can accept that, but that doesn't mean you can't work to become better, even if it's not better than them, but better than you are now. It's not pride to want to improve, I think is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, absolutely. Try to be better than them. Put yourself in practice and try to get yourself onto the field. Absolutely. But understand that and have the humility to understand that if it's genuinely in the better interest of the team, it's genuinely the better interest of the team, you know? That reminds me of, who was it? I remember some political science class we're taking where two people running for an office, if you lose, you should be delighted that there was someone better than you for the office. That's the stance you want to take. I mean, the political office one is difficult because... No, it, again, this is all in theory. In, in theory, if if everybody voted strictly, had a hundred percent accuracy in voting, and every candidate was a hundred percent accurate, yes, yeah. right. So C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screw Tape Letters. Good book, recommended read. Not too hard to read. It's pretty short. It's about a demon in hell writing to a kind of a senior demon writing to a younger demon on how to tempt a human to stray away from the Lord. Kind of interesting concept. Uh, it makes sense when you really just kind of read the first letter. Now, in it, Senior Demon Screwtape is writing to the Junior Demon Wormwood, telling him to not let his human realize what true humility is. And he says that true humility is that a man should designeth cathedral, know it to be the best cathedral, and be no happier for himself than if his neighbor had designed that cathedral. So the idea of that is, are we excited when someone else accomplishes something good, or are we mad that we didn't accomplish it? Are we mad that it's something more than we have done? Or do we feel like it takes away from us? 
And really think about it when someone around you succeeds because it's not even just your friend, but the person against whom you're competing, if they beat you for something, are you happy for them that they achieved something that they really wanted? Are you happy for your enemy, your stranger? Are we taking joy in that? Because that's true humility, knowing that we can, the success of someone else doesn't detract from us. Man, that would have really tied in well to the Envy episode, which is the one that you said that you wanted to use that for. But like, that's like, yeah, that's... <laughs> um, Salavi. Sell out podcast. (laughs) That's funny. Have we not thought of that one yet? Put it on a t-shirt. That, yeah. We will design a Sinner's Take t-shirt. That will be what it's on. Sell podcast. Yeah, so all that to say, if you are at a piece in your life, try to find where there's some pride and try to come to terms with it. All of that to say that going back to what the, the student I was talking to, cause you know, he was talking about how he doesn't want to do it. If he doesn't see himself being perfect in it, that was essentially how this whole idea kind of came to be in, in my head was that was my life. Essentially growing up, I was cradle Catholic was especially in high school, like the token holy guy, which is such a dumb thing to say, like the youth ministry, holy guy that people said like, Oh, he's just like, he's just such a good guy. Like moms loved me. Grandmas loved me. And like, I would give talks and things like that. In reality, the reason why that was the case was because I didn't find a home anywhere else and started going to youth group a lot and became youth group popular, you could say. I'm using air quotes. <laughs> the record show he did not use air quotes. I did. They were down here, though. One, oh, one of them's okay. under the table. One of them's behind the laptop screen. <laughs> <laughs> and I was funny enough or whatever it is. So that was kind of my mindset. And I kind of created this facade for myself of this is who I am. And this is why... I struggled with a lot of like interior sin, right? I never, I, I always say like to any student who comes to me and talks to me about how they're struggling with partying and impurities with, with actual girls and stuff. And they're like, they really are struggling with, it. I say like, you know, I don't know if I would, I probably would have done that. I, I just straight up wasn't popular enough to be put in those situations. Right. And I mean, and it's funny to, you know, to the self-deprecating humor, but it's true. Like, it was very easy for me to fall into sins like pornography, right? Because no one had to know about it, right? My parents didn't need to know about it, my youth ministry. So no one, no one had to know about it. And I think I, you know, I created this image for myself about who I could be and like I, how I could essentially in my head earn my, earn God's love, right? I thought that God's love was something that I could earn, sought it out through soccer. I was never really good at soccer in high school and I kind of hit my stride in college. I made the division three team. I was like, oh, God, like, I find, like, everybody who said I wasn't bad at soccer, like, I proved them wrong. Like, God, like, look at what I did, right? Always trying to be there for my family, you know, always trying to just be involved in ministry and things like that. All of it, I, in over the course of, like, a couple of months, were kind of all stripped away from me. Um, hit a, had a bad run of games and no longer was starting my junior year in college. Um, some family issues, went through a tough heartbreak really wasn't in a good place with God, wasn't involved in ministry anymore because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't involved in youth ministry because I was in college. And I just, I really had at that point, nothing to offer God. I was just empty, right? I, there was nothing that I felt like I could give to him to earn his love. And in that moment, it just all kind of hit me. Like, you know, everyone says like just an overwhelming force of love of God, just saying, you know, you can't earn this, right? Because the crazy thing is, is if love you know, if God's love is something that you can earn, then it's unfortunately something that you can't earn, right? That you could possibly not earn. That puts a lot of pressure on us. And I think 
uh, I did a lot of harm in, to myself in my own faith life because I thought that I could earn my way to God's love when in reality that was never the option or never a possibility. It's definitely something people struggle with. Maybe we should even talk about that more another time. The faith, if it was something you had to earn, it turns into some kind of exclusive club. And if there's one thing that the faith is not, is exclusive. And I think that's so important when we're talking to people is that not only is everyone welcome, but everyone is actively invited and being called. And God wants everyone here. So if it was something that you had to earn, he's not calling you for some show like, hey, come over here and huh? you want my love? What do you got? He wants all of us. But we do, I think we should explain because we can't just do nothing, right? Well, if I can't earn his love, that means I can do nothing. And that, why that's wrong, but I think that warrants a whole discussion. Yeah, I think there is a discussion, a whole discussion there, obviously, about like faith and works and having to be active in the church uh, in, in your faith life and how that being a sign of your faith. But this kind of, and this kind of goes back to just the quote from the last, uh, I guess it was, was it last, last episode was the one with Jonah, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, just the quote that we talked about from the Chronicles of Narnia with that guy, Emmeth about how Aslan says, or he says, speaking of Aslan, because Aslan calls him beloved. And he says, and this is the wonder of all wonders that he called me beloved. He who am as a dog. This is, I mean, it's just been rocking my world because this is essentially Christianity, right? Like we are, we are nothing, right? We are, we really can't offer anything to God. We can't change him. We can't prove ourselves to him in that sense. We can't, you know, earn our way to heaven, but yet he calls us beloved. And for whatever reason, that's just the way it is. And I think that that's so hard though. And think about that. Like, cause I'm thinking of like a Calvin and Hobbes strip. When he it says like I matter, he screamed into the void or whatever it is, because it's hard to come to that humility of we're nothing. But that's not to take away our value. That's really what gives us value in that recognizing that being loved by Him is everything, and sharing in that love is everything. So it's not we can't offer him any anything, therefore we're worthless. It's we can't offer him anything but we are loved. Therefore we are worth everything. Yeah. And I, so I mean, I said essentially the, the kind of the, the way I like to word it is this in my head, there was essentially two options, right. In, in the world is I thought that I, in approach, in my approach to my relationship with God, I thought that either one, I was loved by God and therefore I was perfect and didn't need a savior. Or on the flip side of that, I, was not perfect therefore i was not loved and then i did need a savior um, but i didn't think that you could have a savior like i didn't think that you could be loved if you needed to be saved right because like if you need to be saved you're imperfect and i think that i remember in a moment of prayer and reflection god rocking my world again with you know just the image of the crucifix and the idea that that proves that everything that i held in my entire faith was wrong Right? And this is why I say to anybody who like I talk to that my faith restarted my junior year of college where everything that I, everything before that I count as lost, right? And obviously it wasn't God wastes nothing. God God all has spun it to make it great. But I really it was complete it wasn't like a it wasn't like a, a slight turn and a change of direction. It was a complete one eighty turn. And because you look at the crucifix and it proves that one, you are loved, and two, that you need a savior. Because nobody saves people who don't need to be saved. 
on the flip side of that, he wouldn't do what he did. He wouldn't suffer that death unless he loved you. So the idea being that like, yeah, I do need a savior desperately. I am loved because of that. And I really struggled with that in my, in my faith life. Because I think essentially what getting into what we mean by diluting the cross is I think like overall we live our day completely blind to the fact that we desperately, desperately need a savior. Um, I think that, and I, and I say, I think that others, and when really I'm saying like, I think myself, we go about our life saying that, or like thinking pretty highly of ourselves, right? We say like, well, you know, I'm not, and even if we say it out loud or in, like out loud in internally, um, or just if it's in our subconscious, we believe that like, well, I'm not bad because so-and-so is worse. I didn't kill anybody or, you know, I didn't, I didn't steal or, you know, yeah, I've got my stuff, but like, it could be so much worse. And that's the kind of mindset we approach the faith with. And we don't appreciate the fact that like our sin is a big deal. Like every single sin that we have is a really, really big deal. And we desperately, desperately need a savior. You know, there's this quote by uh, Cardinal Newman and my teacher, one of my teachers in college, uh, Dr. Newton from Franciscan, best teacher I've ever had. He's phenomenal. But he used this quote a lot. I, every single time thinking like, when I, especially when I, cause I was a sophomore at this point and thinking like, that's uncomfortable, right? But now it makes all the sense in the world and it, it's pretty intense. So buckle up for those of you who haven't heard it. It says that the church holds that it were better for the sun and moon to drop from heaven, for the earth itself to fall, and for all the many millions who are on it to die of starvation in the most extreme agony. Then that one soul, I will not say should be lost, but should commit one venial sin. What? (laughs) The church believes that in the eyes of God, it would be better for every single person to die the most painful, agonizing death than for one person not to be lost from God forever, but to turn their back from him even in one small way, one time. Like that's how that's how offensive sin is to God, right? Because he's infinite truth and beauty and goodness and anything that is contrary to that is like a severe offense. Not, And I'm not trying to say that all sins are mortal sins. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, all sins hold equal value because obviously there are mortal and venial sins and all of that. And there are certain sins where you turn more from God or a complete turnaround from God. But God cares only, essentially, for your salvation. You know, like we've talked before in the episode about does God have a plan for you, right? His plan is to get you to heaven. That's the plan. It's okay if you suffer here on earth because he wants you to be in heaven. That's what he cares about. It's what he has 100% of his stock in. And he won't settle for anything less than perfection. He meets us where we're at. But we don't have a God who settles. We don't have a God who settles for anything less than like us living a completely virtuous life like Christ. And that's ultimately what, when we are saved and completely are united in the beatific vision, essentially what happens. But And this is the importance of forgiveness, because he's not expecting us to be perfect, but he's calling us to be perfect. And without forgiveness, that can't exist, that can't function. So, of course, he wants us to be perfect, but when we're not there, that's not the end. Yeah, this is this is like the good news, bad news is like like the bad news is, is that we desperately, desperately need a savior that like one venial sin, like God is like saying, like, I would rather every human being died right now than you like look at that girl's butt at the mall, <laughs> like in a lustful way. Not and again, not trying to get into the whole like, you know, instinctual reaction for like in a lustful way to check out one girl impurely. 
that's just that guy saying, I'd rather everyone die in the world. So the fact, the bad news is that we desperately, desperately need a savior. But the wonderful good news and the beauty of it is that we have one. We have a beautiful, beautiful savior. And this radically changed my faith life, my relationship with God. And I think that those of you who are struggling with this, it can go a long way. What I'm saying, like, don't dilute the cross is what I'm saying is let yourself feel the weight of your own sin so that you appreciate the fact that God lifts it away from you. You know, this is the parable of who would be more grateful, the person who is forgiven for a small debt or a large debt. And I don't remember the actual numbers, but you know, if Alec owed me a dollar and I say, don't worry about it, like I got you, he's like, oh, that's nice. If Alec owed me a million dollars and I said, oh, don't worry about it, like you don't have to pay it back, he's going to be much more happy if it's a million dollars. And this is the idea is that understand that what we owe God in justice of like our sin is a debt that we can't possibly pay so that you can appreciate him when he actually dies for you on the cross. Because I think that most of our world, we know we live in a world that doesn't appreciate Jesus. Like that's just essentially what it is. And I working in the high school and working in high school ministry and even with young adults where you, you can say to somebody a million times, Jesus Christ loves you and he dies for you. But like, if you don't think that you need saved, who cares? It's, it's irrelevant to you. So the idea being, don't think that way, right? Understand that, I can't, I mean, I'm just going to repeat myself, but understand that we, that, we have a sa- that we need a Savior and we have one. It bears repeating. Pause the episode right here and really think about that. And I, just, I think it's one of the most important moments in a spiritual life because it was in mine for sure. And so I imagine it is in a lot of people's <laughs> when you just come to terms with that when you come to terms with just how big of a sinner we are, because God didn't die on the cross. Whenever I, we talk to people and like, you know, young adults, small groups, or you're meeting people new and they're like, like, what are you struggling with right now? Or like high schoolers, especially they're like, Oh, you know, like I'm pretty good. Probably could be praying more. And like, I could be like nicer to my mom. Right. Like I could like do the chores on the first time. And I'm like, BS dude, God did not die on the cross for you because you don't do your chores. The first time your mom asked you to, right. As the quote, as that quote from, from from uh chronicles narnia says like as like dogs right god died on the cross because we have a habitual addiction to pornography god died on the cross because you can't be envious you can't have a genuine relationship with anybody because you're envious of everything that they have god like start stop trying to pretend like your sins are not a big deal like come to terms with that come face to face with your own sin look at that mountainous wall that is standing before you like, and even like, I, I encourage you to like come, come to prayer and like use your imagination and like stand before the wall of your sin. That is like an impossible wall to climb. Envy, pride, lust, gluttony. Like I can't, like I, I can't even say no to a gluttonous thing in food, or I can't say no to, you know, one more episode of Netflix or, or I can't say yes to that person who's asking me for help. Yeah, exactly. I reject sacrificing my free time to help somebody who's loving me or my friend says hey i need help with something i'm like oh yeah like oh dude i already told my mom i gotta help her with something or whatever it is stand before the wall of that sin and then envision the lord taking it down just obliterating it i think that's one of the most important and one of the most beautiful lessons that someone can learn in this in the faith life because that'll make you fall deeply deeply in love with him and you'll understand the beauty of his sacrifice and that doesn't mean that oh, well, God's going to obliterate the wall anyway, so I can just build it as high as I want, and I can do whatever I want. Because that's not how it works, and that's not... We still have to participate. Like, 
you have to recognize that there is a wall in front of you that is preventing you from getting to where you're called to be. And you have to want that wall to not be there. I just I He doesn't obliterate it for you to just willingly build it up again. He understands where we fall short. But our goal has to be not to. And we have to be doing our best not to. And it's almost not even about the success, but it's about the trying. Yeah, I, I, I do think God cares much less about what, what we do and more so how we do it. Because if you are putting him first, like there's obviously things that are just going to be off limits. And then, and I think I touched on this briefly earlier. I kind of blew past it, but I think this is where it probably should have gone is that, you know, because God doesn't settle. Because the classic thought of people is they're saying like, well, why can't God just make it a little easier, right? Like, why can't the demands of the church be a little easier? I bet you a lot more people will be Catholic if you guys just allowed us to use contraception or if you just allowed me to look at porn or you just allowed me to be whatever. And that church says no, right? Because God doesn't settle. God settles for nothing less than who you were genuinely created to be, which is, you know, the glory of God is man fully alive. He created you to be fully alive, to be fully to have life and life in abundance and he's not going to settle right so like and even that on a practical level doesn't work because then okay we get used to all the current demands but we get to watch porn it's like yeah but if you just also let me do this yeah. and then it it keeps going and there is that line in the sand for a practical reason outside of the actual reason yeah extreme demand extreme mercy which i know is a saying that we may have said before and I'm, i don't think we thought of that so yeah it's not it's not an excuse for you just to be able to do whatever you want do whatever feels good mentality because god's god's just going to forgive you for everything and i think that if you really actually because that's like the first objection that people have to when i say this but my always like i don't say this because it's non-quantifiable but like my first thought is like okay then you really haven't thought about this because if you actually think about this and like take this to prayer and reflect on that and what that means for your relationship you will never that's not going to be your mindset because like we said is God's mercy if you if accepted genuinely leads to repentance right I think that's actually in one of the I think it might be the book of James where like do you know um, I don't remember and I'm just, I should know this but there's a Bible passage that says do you do you not realize that mercy is meant to lead to repentance that's part of a lot of people outside of the faith what there's a couple pieces missing because they do interpret it as you can do whatever you want like you're promised forgiveness you can just do whatever you want and then say oh sorry forgive me and just keep doing it what god what a dumb god you must have if he just lets you keep screwing up and keeps forgiving you but they're forgetting about the whole contrition aspect of being forgiven if you're sinning saying ah eh, god will forgive me if that's your attitude when you go to confess you're not forgiven because it, that's it's because you haven't actually apologized right right like you can't go and ask like hey mom sorry i didn't do the dishes but i'm not going to do the dishes still like can i go out with my friends <laughs> like it's, it's going to be no you got to do the dishes first right. and then apologize and so yeah it's it's not that god again god can't forgive you it's that you haven't asked for forgiveness so like you're not in the place to even receive forgiveness or you haven't met the necessary requirements to so yes if you don't have at least the genuine desire to try and not make the sins again you're not forgiven because you haven't asked for forgiveness and that's the end of the um the act of contrition is to sin no more what do, what do we say 
Yeah, to sin no more. I was, have, do you ever go to confession? <laughs> no, I haven't been. I usually just don't sin. That I way ju- I avoid yeah, it. Yeah, uh-huh. But do you, do you use the thing? I have it memorized because I'm, like, super-duper sinful. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think that's where that line was going, <laughs> did you? Because um, I need to go to confession, like, a lot, so just memorized it. Um, I'm pretty sure you can just basically say As long as you cover the bases, you're technically allowed to say whatever you want, I believe. Right, right? yeah, and I've talked to the priest. It's like stating what you did why you're sorry and yeah. what you plan to do yeah um so usually i end up doing my own anyways but sorry it's god <laughs> i didn't mean to do it i won't try to do it again yeah i think that that's all good and worthy of our love speaking of the action of contrition <laughs> um i i think that's pretty much all i got i don't want to i don't want to just overdo it with minutia but um I do, I I guess my closing thought would kind of just continue on with what we had just said that this has not only helped my relationship with God, it also has helped in my striving for virtue, right? Because once I understand my relationship with him in its proper context of like a freely given love, loving relationship that I can't earn, it has made me want to succeed all the more because I want to love him and I accept my weakness and I accept the fact that I need his grace and I have stopped i've stopped hiding like the things that i was like for whatever reason trying to hide from god that meant i wasn't perfect and just taking it all to the light and be like god like what do we need to work on right now and just accepting the grace as it as it comes it has been much more effective and efficient in brooding out sin so it's not only it's not just like a oh that's a nice thought it's like it also kicked my butt into gear of like actually getting sin out i think also it has helped with other relationships because i mean if you're modeling your relationships after your relationship with god hold not settling when your friends want to do something bad making sure you're keeping them to a high standard making sure you're not hiding things from the people you care about taking these same principles with you in your relationships goes a long way at least it has for me and i think if it's good enough for our relationship with god it's probably good enough for our relationship with people generally speaking probably <laughs> so that being said eddie i'd like to confess my sins to you <laughs> <laughs> you can feel free to confess them <laughs> i can't i can't, can't absolve them. them i can't forgive them but so yeah that's uh let your sins count yeah so that the crucifixion counts all the more in your heart so that's the sinner's take you'll hear us in the next one <laughs>